0: For nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, RosieOnTheHouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. And good morning and welcome to Rosie on the House. We've got the door thrown wide open. We've got a fresh pot of coffee brewed over here and a place on the couch for you. So come on in and we're going to take a The subject of air conditioning, we felt like in the month of July in the state of Arizona and the old Pueblo, this would be a good month and a good time to be talking about air conditioning. The one most important critical component of your house to make it comfortable here during this time of year. Now, Tucson was a great little town back in the 50s. Then we invented air conditioning. And you all become a regular old city. You don't like to admit that about yourself, but you're a big city now. So air conditioning is a big part of that. Y'all all depend on it all summer long, and we've brought in our Rosie certified expert, Andrew Dobbins from Intelligent Design, to help us understand a little bit more about air conditioning and what it really does. Because, Andrew, as you know, I mean, homeowners, they really don't understand how it works. They just know when they turn the thermostat to this and it's 30 degrees hotter outside, they want the inside of the house cool. That's right. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Pleasure. Thanks so for having me.
0: I, I try and talk to people about what air conditioning is, and I find it, it really doesn't get me anywhere because they don't understand it. People think, well, I want cool air coming out of that register. But air conditioning is really the removal of heat. That's right. <laughs> Man, that That's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. But if you don't believe it, just go outside yeah. to the fan. And feel the air coming off that fan. That's right. You're just sucking the heat out of the house. So let's talk a little bit about some of the issues that I hear homeowners dealing with all the time. And I want to go to kind of a technical one at first because people live with the results of the problem, but they don't understand what it is. And they may hear a technician out at the house talk about static pressure. Let's talk a little bit about what static pressure is and the consequence of proper and improper static pressure in the AC central system.
1: All right. so static pressure is basically resistance in the supply or the return line. We're finding that a significant amount of homes have the problem in the return where there's an undersized return or they have the old style of grill where they just took a flat piece of metal and stamped a hole through it and they add an incredible amount of resistance. So when you have that restriction, you strain the blower motor out and then you don't get enough air over the coil, which can then lead to coil leaks and compressor failure. So it's a really big deal for efficiency and longevity, and also lots of repairs or or not so many. And if
0: the the compressor is the brains of the air conditioner, the coil is really the heart of the air conditioner, because without that coil, you're not getting the cold surface to throw the air over to theoretically cool it down to deliver it to the house. So you start developing problems with the coil you're you're developing problems with the very core of your
1: unit. And if you don't get enough air over the coil, the refrigerant should be evaporating and trapping the heat. But if you don't get enough air over it, it doesn't fully evaporate by the time it's headed out to the compressor. A compressor designed to compress vapor trying to compress an, a liquid, it breaks. You can't compress it.
0: And those stamped registers are, in, in many cases, they're builder standard. That's right. I mean, they're they're, they're what's mm-hmm. being installed on on units all through the state of Arizona, everywhere. Yes. Uh, but because they do create so much back pressure, it's it's like the air conditioner is trying to push against a, a resistance it doesn't need to have.
1: That's right. So the open cavity of an AC, you only need about 100 square inches per ton of cooling. But once you add that stamp face grill, it's 160. It's a 60% resistance. The better grills, the, the fixed bar grills only add a 40% resistance. So
0: we're opening up the opportunity for the air conditioner to exhale is what we're doing.
1: Yeah, we don't want uh, the AC to be trying to go for a jog with a coffee straw in its mouth. It's not going to it's not going to run too far.
0: And that static pressure now you say you're not able to pass enough air because you're basically creating a dam at the end of the stream by slowing it all down at the register. You're not able to pass enough air over this coil. Mm-hmm. So the coil's not getting near the transfer of energy that has the potential of accomplishing.
1: You're also straining the blower motor, and you may not get enough air to the different rooms in the house, so it can lead to other issues besides just the coil.
0: Some of the problems with static pressure are all of the evap cool systems that were built in the 50s. That's right. Okay, that were now retrofitted in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. Yeah. Uh, that we throw in an air conditioner on.
1: That's right. And they had, those definitely had undersized returns. And when we convert to AC, we enlarge that. We're even finding some of the newer homes had, you know, have a five-ton unit with a stamp face grill. That's a 20 by 25 or a 20 by 30. And really it should be the fixed bar grill, 20 by 40 for a five-ton unit. You need that much more space. What
0: is it about the air conditioning industry that generally speaking, we've always undersized the return air? What what is it about the, because it's an industry standard almost.
1: Well, I wouldn't say it's it's the industry standard. I would say that when you have track homes being built, uh, they do them fast and cheap and try and go with the cheapest materials because uh, the one who's going to get that job for a contractor that's building a thousand homes is going to be the cheapest guy. So uh, many times we're going into those homes and we're having to fix what the original contractor did wrong because they went with the cheapest of everything. And a
0: lot of times that's an upgrade of the supply register, the return air register, and then a, a complete analysis of even if you have the right size, even close to the right. You, you were just you just raised an illustration where the return air was half the size that you needed. That's right. And then we yeah. have people complaining about hot and cold spots in their house.
1: Yeah. People wonder why their systems only lasted eight years or 10 years or 12 years when they used to last a lot longer. Well, there, uh, it could be just, they're not making life they're used to, but it could also be that there's issues with the install that's causing them not to live as long.
0: Well, and the static pressure has a lot to do with the size of equipment too. And I think that's the other area that maybe we were, the industry was a little off base for a long, long time too. We, it seemed like we would oversize equipment. That's right. And then undersize return air, which yes, is sir. like, duh, what are we doing? It's double trouble. The whole industry has become much more scientific than it used to be. I used to be you had the people moving out here from the Midwest. All they knew is when the air conditioner come on, they wanted ice cold air coming out that supply register. So you ha- actually had the home buyers request, I want the biggest piece of equipment you can put on my house.
1: And now we understand that you're going to kick it on and off too much, and they're going to break on you if you do that. And it's going to
0: cost you more to buy. That's right. More to run. That's right. You're gonna have less. Uh, You're gonna have poorer indoor air quality. <laughs> it, it, everything about it is wrong.
1: More breakdowns, higher utility bills, shorter life, more expensive to buy. So when
0: y'all are called out to assess, may, maybe it's just an air conditioner that's not blowing cold. Okay, and you you need to get out there and assess the current condition of the equipment and what the right recommendations would be. When, when you've ascertained that we've got some pretty expensive repairs here in this 12-, 15-, 16-, 17-year-old piece of equipment, and we really need to educate the homeowners to why they might want to consider new equipment, what do you take the client through? What, do you, what does the technician do at the house to ascertain what the right size equipment should be?
1: So the technician's actually not gonna size that. We have a project manager that comes out. So the technicians for us are not allowed to sell new units. We never want there to be uh, the feeling of a, a, Impropriety there. So the technicians will identify the repairs, talk to the homeowner and say, do you, you know, you have a 20 year old unit. Do you think this is a wise investment? If they say no, then uh, we get a project manager out there. The project manager will then uh, walk them through what the Department of Energy, Energy Star and Consumer Reports says should be done, which is measure the amount of heat that comes into the house which is very contrary to what most contractors in town do. They go off of the square footage or the old system size, the exact opposite of what the Department of Energy says. They say if a contractor does that, they shouldn't even be considered.
0: And I completely agree. And you've got air conditioning equipment manufacturers that are selling equipment over the internet, just basically That's ask, right. just asking you, what do you have now, 3-ton? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ship you a 3-ton. Yes, sir. It's it's the worst place To try and solve the problems you may or may not be having with your indoor air quality and indoor comfort levels. That's right. So we do the load calculation. That's right. The heat load calculation. Sometimes you hear, you may or may not hear, is a manual J. And it's information that you're using to determine what kind of heat load that building envelope is being subjected to in the course of a Tucson summer afternoon and what size equipment's the right size to put on there. That's right. To get them where they need
1: to be. So if you imagine the the building, if you have an R11 wall versus an R30 wall, one's going to let in more heat, but the square footage didn't change. A single pane window versus a triple pane. Shade or no shade. All of that, I've seen the same home on the same street and ceiling once, height. That's right. Well, eight, that's cubic eight, volume. 10, 12, yeah. yeah. So that's gonna add to the amount of air that needs to be mixed. The ceiling height won't change the amount of heat coming in much, because except for the surface area of the wall. Uh, but really, windows is huge. And what a lot of people don't measure when they say they're doing a heat load is does the ductwork leak? The, the ductwork factor is uh, can add about 30% to the house. So if it's below the insulation line versus above the insulation line, or whether it leaks or does not leak, is huge. So whenever we do a heat load, we test to see if the ductwork leaks, make sure we get a proper size.
0: And I've been remodeling homes in Arizona for about 40 years now, and I think I can count on one hand the duct systems I found that didn't need some kind of attention yes, for sir. one reason or another. I mean, it's it's in the low, low, less than, way less than 5% range. Yes, sir. Virtually every ductwork system, for one reason or another, needs to be attended to to get that leakage down to an acceptable level. They're all going to leak. Mm-hmm. But what do you all like to get your levels down to?
1: Well, we we use a product called AeroSeal where we can seal it down to next to nothing. Uh, we were just at a house uh, this last week, and another contractor did a, a duct replacement for them. And we're there two weeks later, and they had the equivalent of a 17-square-inch hole when we tested it after they've installed brand new ductwork and so that customer was was not very happy we we got it all sealed for him but that's uh, unfortunate
0: yeah that is unfortunate we're here talking air conditioning with andrew dobbins of intelligent design and a rosie certified air conditioning and heating specialist serving pima county we'll be right back and they own Hey y'all, and welcome back to Rosie on the House, where this July Saturday morning in Arizona, we're talking about air conditioning. Are you sitting in your home comfortable and happy? Is your little internal habitat comfortable as you'd like it to be in all corners of every room? That's why we've brought in Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design here to talk our way through it. We've talked a little bit about duct design, register design, static pressure, and I'd just like people to get a basic understanding of all this so they're not trying to solve problems by chasing the wrong dilemma. Am I wrong? Am I all wet, Andrew? It seems to me in the last 10 years, virtually every manufacturer in the refrigerant changeover that we had uh, has had their share of, of equipment challenges.
1: That is exactly right, Rosie. Uh, they, you know, they say they don't make them like they used to, and uh, in AC today, it seems like they don't make them like they used to. We're having a lot more repairs, and, and it
0: all has to do with the refrigerant. Can we can we talk a little bit? What is the refrigerant today do not doing to the ozone black hole layer that the old refrigerant was doing? <laughs>
1: Well, the really old refrigerant, R12, um, had, uh, had an issue with the chlorine bond to the refrigerant molecule going up, floating up into the ozone and, and hurting it. Then they went to R22, which is what they're phasing out today, which they don't have that bond, and so it was supposed to be better. And then they said, well, actually, this is causing issues for global warming. We're going to get rid of the chlorine altogether. But in order for it to work, we have to have this really high pressure, which is causing a lot of the issues today and the coil leaks. So it's
0: the evolution of the actual refrigerant. And and folks, let me just explain this to you. It's it's a it's a it's a, a substance that can go from liquefied to gaseous state. And we put it through a compressor and smash it really tight and send it down this copper tube or aluminum tube into the coil. And as it sits out there, it expands. As it expands, it gets really, really cold. Then we take that coal and try and transfer it to the air we're passing over the coil. If you have a can of compressed air that you use to spray your your computer keyboard with, yes. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. As the air inside that can expands, that can literally gets too cold to hold. Yes, sir. So we've had this evolution of refrigerant material that has asked us to change the specifications of the equipment, and it seems the industry has had to go through a bit of a learning curve, maybe not too much different than what the paint industry had to go through in the 90s when we eliminated uh, all the oil base and the VOCs.
1: There's a couple other factors too, besides just the the coil leak, there's a, a valve. It's a metering device to regulate the refrigerant for higher efficiency. And that's in front of the coil and we're seeing those fail as well. And it's almost as expensive, uh, even under warranty as a coil replacement. Um, So we have those two things with the refrigerant, and then there's more electronics in the systems. There's control boards, circuitry, and you're putting it outside in the desert. And so we're seeing electronic components fail.
0: And you're buying a fairly expensive piece of equipment. I think it's worthwhile to read the small print in the warranties.
1: That's right. So uh, most manufacturers, if you look at what uh, the competitors in Tucson are offering, is only a parts warranty. You might get a two-year labor but the majority of the cost of a repair is not the parts. You could have it less than 10%. The overhead of the company and the labor and all of that is the majority of the cost. So if the manufacturer gives you the $10 part, but it still costs you 190 to put in, that's not good, that's no fun. So be looking for the opportunity to upgrade your warranty to
0: a labor inclusion.
1: Yeah, with us, we include a 10-year part and labor on every install that we do so that if if anything happens over the next 10 years, you're covered. And then a lot of our systems, in fact, the majority, if the two major components break, the compressor or the heat exchanger, we have a deal those with- Those are the
0: two big expensive tickets right there.
1: Yeah, if those go, you're typically replacing your system. Yeah. Well, in this scenario, if the compressor goes, they will replace the entire condensing unit at no charge or the entire furnace for the heat exchanger, which- it, it very well could be the last air conditioner you ever have to buy.
0: Now, there is also the play on warranty where there's big warranties sold that really are nothing more than just profit cushions to the bottom line. Yes, sir. Some of those manufacturers will extend the warranty if the contractor will just register the equipment as sold and yep. addressed. If yep.
1: So here's, you brought up a great point. <laughs> We're seeing uh, people buy from a contractor. The contractor goes out of business, didn't register the product, and what should have had a 10-year. On the contract, it says 10-year. The homeowner only got five years and one year on labor because the contractor was, didn't have the organization or whatever, didn't register the product. Be very careful to get your product registered.
0: Folks, if you'll shop carefully, you'll be able to find those extended warranties many times are buried in the manufacturer's protocol if their procedures are followed exactly. But with that said, uh, in all due respects, with my hats off to Intelligent Design, I still don't know anybody else that's offering labor and material. That's correct. Ten years. Yes, sir. With the caveat that if any of the two expensive pieces of the equipment go out, they get all new pieces in that unit.
1: And what a lot of customers ask me is, hey, what happens if you get hit by a bus or, you know, you're not around? Well, it's not from me. It's from the manufacturer. So you're covered whether you wanted to use us in the future for service or someone else. It doesn't go with intelligent design.
0: Talking air conditioning, indoor air quality, your comfort right here in Tucson, Arizona with the Rosie Certified Air Central Heating and Cooling Air Conditioning Specialist, Mr. Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design. More about how we can keep you comfortable here when we get back.
1: Man for me.
0: And welcome back to Rosie on the House, where we're doing everything we can today to educate you to a homeowner's level about air conditioning and what it does, how it gets it done, and what you need to know about should you be experiencing troubles, dilemmas, or the dreaded hot and cold spots throughout the house. We're here talking with Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design. Andrew, you get that phone call? I've got one room in the house. I can't keep the temperature I want.
1: Yes, sir. Happens all the time. (laughs) I would say about 70% of the homes that we go into has uh, this issue. And uh, so whenever we're doing a replacement system, one of the questions is, hey, do you have this problem and do you want to fix it?
0: It's incredible how long people will live with that and they just accept it. Is that's just the way it is?
1: They, they just think, oh, the number one thing I hear is, well, the sun hits that side of the building. So, of course, it gets hotter. Well, I understand that the heat is coming from the sun, but you should be compensating for that with cooling. And so getting more air to that room fixes the issue. Now, if the AC kicks off, like let's say it's oversized and it turns off, well then you have no air moving. So that air in the room that has the sun is gonna get hotter than the shaded room. So if we can blend and mix the air, that's one of the solutions, not being oversized, but also if you're replacing your system, heavily consider a blower with multiple speeds, like a variable speed blower. We can blend and mix the air and get you more even comfort in the house.
0: I mean, we were talking about the evolution of refrigerant and the evolution it required in equipment. And we were talking about some of the downsides to what that's caused the industry over the last decade. But, you know, the increase in efficiency has actually, it's been exponential. Huge. I, I mean, from where we were installing SEER rated units of four, five, six, and seven. That's right. You know, just 15, 20 years ago. I mean, you can reasonably purchase equipment well above 15, 16, 18, 20. 25 in a ducted 26. in a ducted that, system yes sir that's incredible it, absolutely and I think what people don't realize is in this increased efficiency in my argument the increased in efficiency is one more reason you probably don't have to buy the same size equipment you've currently got we're going to put a variable speed on that which is like a throttle that automatically interprets how hard it needs to be running as opposed to the old single speed units that when they were on, it was either on or off.
1: I I like to compare it to a car. If you were driving your car and you're at a stoplight, you have a stick shift and only fourth gear is working. How much gas and how hard on the engine is it to get that thing to 45 (laughs) miles an hour? Now, if you're on a freeway going straight at 45, no big deal, fourth gear is great. But once you hit another stoplight, that's a problem. These air conditioners, they, they're stop and go in the city. If you only have that fourth gear, that's a problem. So now we have systems with lots of gears and much more efficiency.
0: And the intelligence to be able to determine how what gear do I need to be in. That's right. So... That, that alone has increased the SEER ratings a, a long ways. And then, then with the science of just the what we were talking about earlier, the, the duct integrity, just getting them sealed up properly.
1: That's right. That's one of the reasons we test the duct work on. Every time we're out to a home for a system replacement, we are testing the duct work. And a lot of our technicians, we've trained to do the same test and carry that equipment because it is such a rampant problem. If you have hot and cold pockets, there's a good chance that you have duct leakage if you've put on balancing registers and you still have hot and cold pockets it may be because you've created additional pressure by restricting the air to an area that gets plenty of air and tried to get it over to the the bad area but you just blew it into the attic instead
0: and a lot of times people with a hot spot house in the summer switch the fan motor to on in hope of just stirring the air more that has a, a downside
1: well the energy loss um could be the downside but If the unit is off and you're running the blower and it's the peak season, you're going to absorb heat from the attic. And if you have leaking ductwork, you're going to then pull dusty air into the leak points. It's called the Venturi effect. If you have fast rushing wind on one side of an object, you cause negative pressure on the other side a vacuum. And you suck attic air into your breathable space after the filter. Then
0: the humidity goes up to our monsoon season. Yes, sir. And the air conditioner's job is take all the humidity out. Convert it to condensation, Mm -hmm. put it in a pan, and drain it out to the flower bed. That's right. But we leave the fan on. You absorb it, and you get higher humidity levels. You're blowing the humidity right back in the house, asking the air conditioner to do the work. That's right. That it did when when the compressor was running a few minutes ago. Precisely. So we encourage people, uh, you can play with 24-hour fan motors in the shoulder seasons. That's right. But once we move into the monsoon season, that really isn't a, a good strategy for your equipment or your indoor air quality. Absolutely. So, we we eliminate that other hot and cold spot strategies. I mean, uh, we've we've solved it by just some strategic locations of return
1: airs. Absolutely. Now, we've found that if, uh, you can definitely do it with return, but if you already have enough return and you design the supply properly where the air is going where it needs to, all the air cycles back around to the return if those doors are open. If you're closing doors to those rooms and there's, there's no outlet for the air, then you need a return or a transfer grill. But the best thing to do is just get, get our guys out there to do an analysis on the home and we'll figure it out for you. You guys don't have to have to know all the science and engineering. That's what we do.
0: How much money are the empty nesters saving when the kids move out of the hall bedrooms and they close the registers of events, close the doors, and only ask the air conditioner to now operate and cool eighty percent of the house?
1: Well the insulation on the outside of the house is not also on the interior walls. So the heat that absorbs into that room then transfers into the main house, and you're not getting those rooms are hotter, but you're not saving much, and you're creating back pressure on the system. We talked about back pressure in the beginning of of the segment, and it's a big issue. If you if you create the back pressure, you can break your blower motor, your coil, and compressor by doing that.
0: You're you may think you're saving money because you're not paying to have the air conditioner work to deliver cold air to that room but it's actually increasing the wear and tear on your equipment and it isn't a good strategy not at all the equipment was designed to satisfy the demands of the entire area you you hope it was designed that way that's right you know if it's designed correctly duct work equipment size and everything else and you need to allow it to service that whole area absolutely so what are, what are some of the other things y'all find when you're dealing with uh, hot and cold spots? Um, we've already kind of listed through yeah. oversized equipment, poor register design. Um,
1: duct leakage is the big duct one. Duct
0: leakage is the big one.
1: Yeah. So the, the, if you're not replacing the systems... Uh, you can you can redesign ductwork. You can seal ductwork. You can add balancing registers. Those are big. What one of the other issues that we find when someone has hot and cold pockets is they also have a lot of dust in the house many times, and that's because of the leaking ductwork. It's pulling in that hot attic air. So when you solve one problem, you also solve the other. People tell me all the time, "Hey, you know," and ask them if you have a lot of dust in the house. They're like, "Of course we do. It's Tucson." Yes. Right. Right. You, right. They think they have to live with it. Right. right. You don't have to have the desert in your house. You're pulling that in through your supply if the ducts leak, and so we can come out and do the do the test for you and find out if that's the issue.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that dust and the filtering options y'all give people when when you're looking at their equipment. Absolutely. So starting from the bottom. So you got the seventy nine cent buy twelve at a pack. Spun fiberglass units.
1: uh, We call those your boulder catchers, and uh, (laughs) they catch the big stuff. What's going to end up happening is your blower motor will get dirty and your coil will get dirty. You're going to have expensive uh, cleanings later on where you have to disassemble and clean. Uh, Otherwise, if you get one-eighth inch of dust on the blower motor, you can cut your efficiency by 20 to 30%. And then if you restrict the coil, it's the same as any other restriction. You have lots of problems. So those have to be cleaned, and you'll eventually need that with those those boulder catcher filters. Step up. Then you have your basic cheap paper filters, which uh, they do an okay job for a paper filter. And we prefer those to the really high-grade uh, paper filters like the the Filtrate 3M that Costco sells, those are an incredible amount of back pressure and uh, so much so that you hurt the unit and dust will then go around the filter into the system anyway because it's so highly restrictive. And so you want good filtration so you don't have the cleanings and you have clean air, but then you don't want the back pressure. So you have some technicians will tell you one way, another technician will tell you the other way. And and really, we need both. We need low back pressure and good filtration. But the only way to do that is the the highest level, which is an electronic air cleaner. And you can put that in with a very low level of resistance, but run electric current through there that creates an electromagnetic field. And it can purify and clean a hundred times more effectively than your best paper filter on the market. What's the maintenance of a system like that? It's pretty simple. Just like your your paper filters need to be changed once every thirty days in the summertime, you pull this out once every thirty days. You can uh, use a vacuum hose and clean off the underside, or you can hose it off. And then every fourth month, you replace the uh, the filter media, and you just it costs you about eighty bucks a year for those media replacements.
0: Well, I guess the moral of the story is we'd like Tucson ho- area homeowners to know you do not have to live with hot and cold spots that's right it It isn't a given
1: absolutely in a Solvable. system that's
0: designed right, and you don't have to live in a dusty house in the middle of the summer when your doors and windows are closed. Okay, if, if, if you're like me and in March and October you like the windows and doors open, you're, you're going to deal with a certain amount of absolutely. dust. That's just the way it is. But July, August, uh, when everything's closed up and you're only accessing inside, and out, you know, going in and out the doors to get in and out of the house, your house shouldn't be dusty.
1: You can have a clean living environment, absolutely.
0: And ductwork work is a big problem for that. Filtration is a big problem for that. Um, the return air... Plenum. Can we talk about that just a little bit? Absolutely. We've talked about supply duct uh, integrity quite a bit. But how about the return there from uh, the air that we're now sucking from inside the house? That's right. Reintroducing it to the air handling equipment. That passage is pretty important as well.
1: So it's actually more important than the supply. You know, there are more leak points available in the supply, but a leak in the return is far worse. If you have only a 15% leak in the return, you will cut your efficiency in half. Um, Your attics are about 160 degrees or so in the peak of the summer. And when you have, let's say you have a furnace in the closet or the garage and the underside of that is not sealed, those connect to hollow walls that lead right up to the attic and you're then pulling hot attic air down into your system and having to remove that heat and it costs a, a ton of your efficiency
0: and this is after the filter
1: the, this is actually before the filter
0: oh i'm before the I, i'm thinking of like a deck mounted unit where the filter's out in the hall and like, the and the deck area isn't gotcha protected yeah, real well
1: then you're right yeah so if you have the filter in the ceiling or on the outside it's after the filter, if you have the filter underneath the furnace, then it's before the, before the filter, which is the better of the two. It's for the sure. better of the two, but the worst thing with a other than the efficiency and and all the dirt and everything, if your furnace is in the garage and you have a leak out there, what other gases and things are going <laughs> on in the garage? I mean, you're pulling your car in there, carbon monoxide leaching out of the tailpipe, and then you're sucking that right into the house.
0: Well, and then how many of those air handling units? In the garage, when you open the door, there's a maybe a kerosene can or yes, turpentine can. Yes. Paint cans, pa- absolutely. bitter can. That's right. You know, that are all stored right there next to the air handling unit. It's a horrible, that should be a pristine environment. That's right. right? That's the air you're breathing.
1: Yeah. So when we, when we look at systems, we look to seal the return cavity heavily and insulate it because the garage is hot. So we want to insulate that cavity as well.
0: Well, we're taking you through your air conditioning system from the return air register through the air handling equipment over the coils down to supply registers and out into your room with Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design, Rosie certified central heating and cooling specialist serving the entire Pima County area. We'll be back to wrap up right after this short break. Don't go anywhere. And it's Rosie on the House doing our job to become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. We've been here talking to you about the intricacies of air conditioning and what basic things you need to understand to be able to talk through it and understand it well enough to make sure at the point your equipment needs to be serviced and or repaired or replaced, you're dealing with the right information and the right people. Here with Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design. What would you like the takeaways and the moral of the story to be?
1: The moral of the story is that, as uh, in the last twenty years, as that we've done studies, and APS and Phoenix has has done some, as well as some nonprofit organizations on the systems in the factory, what they should be doing at ideal situation. And then they've tested them after installation. And what they found is in Arizona, 90% of air conditioning installations have been done wrong with four major issues. Duct leakage is is the main issue. They say 90 plus percent of homes have duct leakage that accounts for a 30 to 40% efficiency loss. Oversizing happens 60 to 70 percent of the time, and causes uh, short cycling, shorter life, higher repair rates, and uh, higher electric bills. Incorrect refrigerant now, charge. Now, is
0: it tough? Is it tough to convince a homeowner? Done right, I can, I can downsize your equipment by a ton. Now, a lot of homeowners, I imagine, have some real anxieties over that, don't they? <laughs> yeah.
1: Initially, when I when I went from uh, being an employee at a company who was just going off of square footage to actually getting certified for the engineering, uh, I definitely had an issue with that. We put a guarantee in place that says that if you are not happy with the size and the cooling capacity, anytime in the first two years, we'll pull it out and put whatever size you want in for free. Because un- Uncle Joe has called you uh yep. because it's 108
0: outside that's right and the air conditioner's broke and now you're trying to convince him to put in a smaller unit than he has that's right <laughs> that's, that's a, right that you're in a bad negotiating position there
1: <laughs> yeah and it, it's we we don't have too tough of a time anymore it's it's just a, a car on the freeway versus in the city do you want to stop and go or do you want to run it more constantly at, at lower gas usage
0: and oversizing units is something the air conditioning industry in arizona has done 20 or 30 years so you that are in need of new equipment need to hear us loud and clear if if your air conditioning contractor is coming out there looking at the size of the equipment writing you up a proposal in 10 minutes or less about replacing it with like size equipment you have the wrong company on your property that's right. Okay, so we've covered two of the four.
1: Right, so refrigerant charge. 54% don't charge the refrigerant right, and 70% have hot and cold pockets in homes that have been tested. So individually, those things, I, I would rather you have the least efficiency, cheapest unit available with all of those things perfect than the most expensive, highest efficiency, best warranted product with any one of those things individually out of place. You will be better off with those install items done right and a a lower end piece of equipment you can spend a lot of money upgrading the equipment if you just spent a fraction of that fixing the install items with us you you have a much better situation
0: isn't there a spreadsheet that i've seen somewhere about where the efficiency draws to like what percentage lends itself to how it's installed what percentage lends itself to the brand of equipment.
1: Yeah, Consumer Reports actually came out with uh, a document on how you should go about choosing your your air conditioner. They say that they they can't personally rate air conditioners because the manufacturer and the design of the product only accounts for 20% of what you receive as a consumer. 65% is based on the install and 15% is based on the maintenance. So 80% is who? 20% is what? But 90% of installs are done wrong. So 65% of your quality is installed, 90% done wrong. You've got to get the right guy. You've got to know someone that's doing the heat load calculation, the duct testing. You're getting the installation correct.
0: Well, folks, I hope that you have seen how we here at Rosie on the House over our 30 years of broadcasting have spent the time to research the right contractors, the right equipment, to share with you their wisdom and their industry expertise. Andrew, y'all been down here installing central heating and air conditioning systems for how long? Yeah, I've been a
1: company owner since 2008, so uh, 10 years.
0: How would they get a hold of you?
1: Well, Rosie, if their house here in Tucson doesn't feel like heaven, they can call 888-8787.
0: And what, they're, what are they going to get?
1: So we can come out and do the analysis, the energy audit, uh, figure out what's going on in their house that's causing uh, any of these issues.
0: Congratulate you on your success here. Thank you. And uh, in particular, some pretty creative industry-leading uh, protocols that you've put in place that are very unique to Intelligent Design. Congratulations on all those. And uh, thanks a million for coming in and joining us today.
1: Yes, sir. Thank uh,
0: you, I, I think we covered it, man.
1: We did. You did I, a great I, job.
0: I, I think homeowners now have the information they need, hopefully, to not be taken advantage of. Because we were talking about Uncle Joe who's calling the air conditioning contractor to come out and get him. Do whatever you have to do to get me back in cool air because it's 108 degrees outside. I'm sweating. The kids are going to be coming home from school. We're all uncomfortable. The dog's about ready to expire. I'll do whatever you say just to get me back in cool air. And that's a perfect opportunity for you, Uncle Joe, to be taken advantage of. So make sure you're dealing with a contractor you can trust. And we always encourage you to establish a relationship with your air conditioning contractors so they can help you maintain that equipment properly. One big takeaway I'd like you to have is if you're being solicited over the telephone cold calling from someone who doesn't know your equipment, doesn't know your living environment, doesn't know your electricity consumption, doesn't know your lifestyle, they're probably not the company that you want to engineer your family's healthy, indoor, air quality and comfort because it's our job at Rose on to become your best friend.